This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon. It's April Fool's Day, April 1st, 2022. We'll give it to you straight right here on the Noon Business Hour. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Restaurants are having to get creative as they deal with rising food costs. We'll dig into that during our next segment. But right now, the government jobs report for March dominates today's data. We'll see what it reveals. We welcome in Diane Swank, Chief Economist with Grant Thor based in Chicago. Diane, thanks for joining us once again. Um, I, I seem to remember the recovery in the employment market following the Great Recession of 2008 and just how agonizingly slow that recovery in the labor force was. It took years to get back to where we over were. Over a decade. Oh, yeah. Over a decade to get back to where we were uh, in the summer of 2008. And now we're pretty much close to fully recovered from the loss in jobs from COVID-19, and yet we've moved on to inflation. Understandable, but you got to take a moment to appreciate how far we've come. Absolutely. It really is stunning. I mean, 1.7 million job um, that we created just in the first quarter alone through the Omicron wave. This is stunning. We've just... the, the job gains have been so rapid that the Bureau of Labor Statistics have not been able to keep up with it. That's why we keep seeing these upward revisions to job gains since last summer that it's been going on. And so the good news is people are getting their jobs back. We need them to get their jobs back. That's really important, but it's been happening so rapidly when everybody runs through the door at the same time as we reopen the economy that creates friction and that friction burns and that is inflation. We take these workers who we had a moment in the sun as their wages finally are picking up, which is terrific news. We want wage gains out there. But that moment in the sun, they're getting burned now by the flames of inflation nipping at their um, holes in their wallets. And I think that's something that we have to be really cognizant of. But it is really spectacular on how rapid the job gains have been coming out of the worst recession we've ever seen. It's cold comfort if you're at the gas station or if you're in the grocery store checkout line, but inflation is pretty much the same all over the world. It's the same numbers. You're seeing the same numbers out of Great Britain. You're seeing them out of the Eurozone. But we're experiencing job and wage growth that's mitigating the blow of inflation somewhat. That's not happening overseas. No, we are seeing a much better situation than overseas, and part of that's because, one, we had even more workers who could work from home and keep their livelihoods intact as we went into the pandemic, and two, we stimulated more. And that isn't a bad thing, per se. It's just on the other side of it, with all of the 
continual waves of outbreaks we've seen. We've got new lockdowns in China again, and now war in Ukraine. All of those things together are affecting the global economy, pushing up inflation, causing a supply shock at a time when we're all still struggling to get back from the pandemic. We've been better than many other economies. Canada's a little better than we are. They've also had more immigration than we have, and that's helped them to come back a little more rapidly with not quite as much burn, but still real wage gains. And I think that's important to note as well. But at the end of the day, this is something we want to lean into is the recovery and employment. But we can't discount the fact that employment affects people on the margin. A hundred percent of everyone feels the pain of inflation. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Diane Swank, chief economist with Grant Thornton based in Chicago. Coming up, rising food costs pose a challenge for the restaurant industry. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Inflation is not only impacting customers at the grocery store, but also restaurants sourcing ingredients. We're joined by Doug Roth, founder and president of Playground Hospitality based in Chicago. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Before we talk about uh, some of the innovations uh, the restaurant industry is coming up with to deal with the uh, higher cost in uh, sourcing food, what are the areas that uh, restaurants are finding the uh, largest price increases? Well, uh, thank you, uh, Rob, of course, for having me on. Appreciate that. And really the areas right now are fish, and steak uh, are, are the two areas right now that you're seeing the biggest in, uh, increase. The area, for instance, in chicken and pork is remaining a little bit static. But those are primarily the proteins that you're seeing the highest increases. And uh, what are uh, some restaurants doing uh, to mitigate the uh, higher prices uh, outside of just uh, changing their menu? Or is that the only thing you can do? Well, actually, there are quite a few things that can be done. Uh, one thing that has come about in the uh, restaurant industry for uh, a few years now is what we call menu engineering. And menu engineering is taking items, for instance, that have a lower food cost, higher gross profit margin, and putting them on the menu strategically so that when guests look at a menu, they have a tendency to buy those. So we may substitute out now new fish items, for instance, that would be um, lower in price, higher in gross profit margin, for instance, everything from uh, barramundi, uh, dorad, uh, catfish, skate wing, and uh, goldfish. I'm, I'm kidding on the goldfish, it's April Fool's, but the other, the other four are, are things that are happening. You know what, though, Doug, there have been so many uh, hacks and uh, uh, unconventional menu items that have taken off thanks to social media. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if some restaurant got a lot of attention thanks to Goldfish. I mean, I watched a video last night of somebody making a uh, sandwich out of uh, hash browns, peanut butter, and a fried egg, and they said, don't knock it until you try it. So if you said Goldfish, I would have believed you. Very innovative. Um, <laughs> but in, in any event, yes, and the world is, is, is changing in the restaurant world as we try to fight, obviously, higher uh, food costs, as we talked about, labor costs, supply chain issues, all of those things wrapped together. Really, the quickest thing to say at this point, the restaurants that are s- slimming their menus down 
are concentrating on the things that they do well, and they'll do them consistently, those are going to be the winners in the long run. At the same time, though, you know, prices are higher, but it seems like people are willing to pay. I mean, I went out to dinner twice last weekend. Uh, Friday night, packed house uh, for fish fry and to watch the NCAA tournament. And uh, Saturday, an upscale uh, steakhouse chain. Uh, once again, you know, packed to the gills. People uh, going out for birthday dinners, uh, some probably postponed from 2020 and 2021. Uh, really good point. I mean, I think it's a little bit like uh, what people said about post World War II, and I call it I call it COVID exuberance. And I still think we're uh, going through that as we uh, sort of celebrate the idea now that we're a little bit safer zone than we were, obviously, a few months ago, and certainly a year ago. Doug Roth, founder and president of Playground Hospitality based in Chicago. I'm looking forward to the Goldfish Delight uh, coming out in just a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us this <laughs> afternoon to talk about uh, how the restaurant industry is dealing with high prices. Coming up next, uh, you may want to use a credit card to pay your taxes. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's April 1st, which means the clock's ticking to finish up your taxes. You may not think about using a credit card when it comes to time to settle your tax bill, but there are some occasions in which it makes sense. Let's discuss the strategy with Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Are there fees associated with uh, paying your tax bill with a credit card? There are, and that's actually one of the big considerations here. They range from 1.87% to 1.98%. So in many cases, that'll wipe out the rewards that you might earn. So that's, that's a key consideration. Maybe if you have a 2% cash back card, those are pretty popular. I mean, maybe you make a slight profit there. There are a few cards that give more than that, although usually just on a temporary basis or from more of a niche kind of smaller financial institution. So the arbitrage there may not work out as well. One time, probably the best time to pay taxes with a credit card is if you're hitting the sign-up bonus threshold, like that spending threshold of a few thousand dollars in the first few months. If you couldn't otherwise hit that with everyday spending, using a tax payment to hit that threshold may get you a nice sign-up bonus. And maybe uh, you just could be in a situation where you cannot pay off uh, your balance right away, so it's you're better off just spreading it out over a couple of months. There is a risk to financing your tax payments with a credit card. Now, maybe you could take advantage of a 0% intro APR promotion. Those last as long as 21 months on some cards. Be careful, though, because if you don't pay it in full, then the interest rate skyrockets. You may actually be better off coming up with a payment plan with the IRS. Their interest rates are much more reasonable than credit cards, often something like 4% over a few years with some small fees attached. So, you know, yes, it could work with a 0% credit card APR or, or even just kind of floating it over that few weeks um, before your bill is due. But I don't know. That's a little risky. You, you got to have a good plan there. You might be better off just working something out with the IRS itself. And knowing that there are fees attached, uh, what if you want to uh, uh, put your tax your tax bill on your credit card uh, because you want the airline miles? Does that make sense? That's probably going to be a losing proposition because of this processing fee that approaches 2%. I'd say in most cases, that's going to outweigh the value. 
of the rewards you would earn unless there's a special case like hitting a sign-up bonus threshold or if you have an especially lucrative card or or you really know how to play the game and you're going to get three, four, five cents per mile. Uh, we're probably talking about the more advanced card gamers there, uh, not the masses. So, Ted, it sounds like you're just you're better off writing a check. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, that is definitely going to be your more cost-effective option. You're not going to have to worry about any sort of debt there. Um, in most cases, I think that does make the most sense. We should note also that debit cards are treated very differently from credit cards. There's a very small fee for paying by debit card. Usually it's just something like a couple of bucks. Um, so you could probably even save that if you write a check or, or do a bank transfer. Um, but just know that Credit cards have much higher processing fees than debit cards. Thank you for the insight. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, combining a passion for cryptocurrency with the latest in data science. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The government jobs report for March continues an employment winning streak. Questions are being asked about what's driving gas giveaways in Chicago. In Entrepreneur Friday, we meet the founder of a Chicago company that provides information for traders looking to cash in on cryptocurrency options. As more workers are told to return to the office, there could be another run of people quitting their jobs. WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 91 points. The NASDAQ is down 72. The S&P 500 is down 17. AccuWeather says sunshine, some clouds, brisk and chilly this afternoon, a high today of 45. We have 40 degrees right now in Chicago at 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, American employers continue to boost staff, adding 431,000 jobs last month. For nearly a year now, the economy's added more than 400,000 jobs each month, showing resilience amid the virus pandemic and decades-high inflation. The unemployment rate is down to 3.6 percent, the lowest since the pandemic started. The jobs gains ranged from restaurants to retailers. Many people had been staying out of the workforce because of virus-related issues, but the Labor Department says some 418,000 people started looking for a job 
last month, and many found one. The economy is still about 1.6 million jobs shy of the pre-pandemic number. At this pace, it could recover all of them by June. Sagar Magani, Washington. Now that the city of Chicago is backing a gasoline giveaway, a comparison is being made to recent ones by businessman Willie Wilson. The question came up during the Q&A after the mayor announced the city program. Were you all inspired by the Willie Wilson gas giveaway? The mm-hmm was not an acknowledgement. The mayor was not going there. This is something we've been talking about for a long time. You know, I, I mentioned probably a month, six weeks ago, um, driving uh, through the city and seeing one of the gas stations along the expressway popping out at $6 a gallon. During one of Willie Wilson's gas giveaways, he denied it was about another run for mayor. Oh, I, I, why do you say that? I've been doing stuff here for years. No, this is because of the people is, is, is in need. Whatever the case, there is no denying the free gas does help people. Mike Krauser, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. Hey, it's 12.33 on the noon business hour. Stocks are trading lower. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, President Kultbaum Capital Management and the Fox News business contributor based in Orlando, Florida. Gary, thanks for joining us today. I want to ask you about a move the market made in the final 30 minutes before the close yesterday, uh, the last uh, half hour of the trading day of the first quarter. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, the, the financial markets uh, did their best impression of a roller coaster at Great America with a very steep drop. What happened at the end of the trading day yesterday? Uh It wasn't just about the end of the trading day. I think in the last couple of days, the rally hit a wall. And as you get into the end of the quarter, I think it was the big institutions which drive the bus, uh, basically front running. And you're seeing uh, the indices today not down a lot, but the transport's down 750 points, which is the equivalent of about 1,500 Dow points. So all the consumer areas, consumer-oriented areas, remain in bear markets uh, with some areas at new yearly lows while the market has rallied up uh, recently. I just think we hit a wall for now. And then uh, when it comes to the jobs report for the month of March, I mean, you have been very consistent in your belief that the uh, Federal Reserve is uh, several days late and several dollars short when it comes to uh, to combating inflation. And those dollars, by the way, are uh, losing value every day. Um, and, and however, uh, it kind of lends credence to their theory that they can uh, continue to raise interest rates and not really ding the economic or employment growth in an appreciable way? Uh, A, they cause the inflation. That's number one, with trillions of dollars of money just floated uh, onto the economy. Uh, B, uh, they're way behind. Yields have been spiking up in spite of them. And uh, if I were them, I would have been starting to raise rates a year ago. The problem we have now is this quarter, we're going to have a GDP probably near zero. So we're already slowing down. Uh, The economic numbers we're seeing now are the past, and they're going to have to raise rates into a slowdown, which is not good news. Uh, But they have to start uh, going after inflation because they came out with that PCE um, inflation number yesterday, which is expenditures. That's real world what people are spending. And it was like 50 year highs. And it's not just on uh, anything like Gucci loafers. It's on all the necessities. So the lower income and uh, lower middle class income have been getting crushed. 
uh, because of it. And, and the only way to combat it is you got to start, uh, you know, putting your foot on the brakes. Unfortunately, uh, they are late and they're going to be putting their foot on the brakes uh, probably at the wrong time. You, you bring an, up an interesting point, and that is uh, when it comes to uh, the, the jobs growth and the economic growth being near zero. We, as far as jobs are concerned, we're back to where we were in March of 2020. We have reset the clock um, and have gotten practically all of the jobs back. What happens from here as far as job growth? There's still a lot of openings out there. So does this job market have some room to run still? Well, we have, get this, a record 5.3 million job openings, more than unemployed, which is an amazing number. And that's why you're seeing uh, wages go up. They're forced up. That's why you're seeing employees at Apple and Google, uh, Apple and uh, Goldman Sachs, threatening their companies to quit unless they go to three days at at the office. So uh, the good news is people are working. The worry is we got it all back, which is normal after a pandemic, uh, about 90% of it back. The question is now, what's next? We're back to most of the norm. I'm worried about hitting the wall here. And if you look at the market, all the economic areas – uh, the stocks are acting terribly here. And you also have this inverted yield curve, which very often presages trouble. Uh, you add them all up, and now you got the transports today, and uh, you tend to uh, wonder what's next, and I'm not so sure it's good news. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Gary Kulpbaum, the president of Kulpbaum Capital Management and Fox News business contributor based in Orlando, Florida. Find him online at GaryK.com. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and polls show the number of people who've had dealings with cryptocurrency is growing rapidly, and the market for crypto options also expanding. We welcome in Greg Magadini, who is the founder and CEO of Genesis Volatility based in Chicago. The website genesisvolatility.io Twitter at genesisvol. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Uh, This started in January of 2020. And how did the pandemic um, change your business model? I mean, the world ground to a halt and, and you talk about the ultimate disruption that happened two months, two months after you uh, hung up the we're open sign. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Fortunately for us, um, the pandemic didn't stop us from building. We were heads down, you know, importing data, creating cool, useful charts for traders. And the market had a lot of volatility, especially in March of 2020, that in a way kind of bodes well for us because options sort of live and breathe on volatility and they're hedging vehicles for for crypto assets. And so it kind of generated some new interest for uh, the options market in the crypto space. Now, are, are these uh, the, 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 the options that are available, are these strictly in uh, Bitcoin or is it other forms of cryptocurrency or even meme currency? So the main markets are Bitcoin and Ethereum. And those are on sort of the centrally listed markets. Even in sort of like the traditional markets, we're seeing Beto, which just launched uh, a few months ago, which is a pro shares ETF. And that has options listed on it, as well as CME options. And then we have sort of this nascent space of on-chain options, where you're seeing optionality being written on all sorts of different assets. But the markets there are still really, really small. But if you want some bespoke stuff, 
uh, that would be the place to go. Now, the, the the customer base, the people who are buying cryptocurrency options, uh, are these people who ha- are are themselves uh, cryptocurrency evangelists? Uh, they were early adopters. They understand the space and they know what they're doing. Or are you finding yourself in a situation that, thanks to you know the greater uh, visibility of cryptocurrency, I mean, once again, the you know naming rights for Stadia, uh, the Super Bowl commercials, do you see those people coming in, or is is it just people who have been around the cryptocurrency space for a very long time? So there's actually three distinct groups. I would say for on-chain DeFi options, that's really the crypto natives, sort of the hardcore people into smart contracts, on-chain applications, so on and so forth. For sort of the listed markets, such as LedgerX here in the U.S. or Darebit overseas, that's going to be a kind of a mix between institutional players who are you know, veterans in options trading are now just trading options on a new asset class and a retail space who uh, is sophisticated enough to know how to trade options and is now, you know, extending themselves out to the crypto options market. And then lastly, uh, what is it about being located in Chicago uh, uh, that's beneficial in terms of uh, you're in this uh, financial capital of the Midwest, but also there's a robust tech sector. Uh, So who's who, who benefits the most? Is it old-fashioned options traders, or is it the people who work uh, in those really cool office suites in the West Loop? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. Ultimately, to me, Chicago is the home of options trading. I was also a prop trader before I launched Genesis Volatility, and a lot of like the kind of uh, high-end proprietary trading firms are located in Chicago. Everyone thinks about New York and London, but Chicago has this real big trading culture, and is sort of the, the founding home of the mo- modern uh, financial option. So it's c- quite an honor to be building us out of Chicago. I think Chicago is the place for this to be, to be done. Um, so happy to be here. Thanks for joining us, Greg Magadini, the founder and CEO of Genesis Volatility, based in Chicago. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. As companies bring more workers back to the office, some employees may elect to take a pass. We're joined by Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. This does not seem like much of a surprise. We already knew that people were trying to negotiate uh, work work from home or telecommuting options uh, into uh, new employee deals. And uh, now it seems like that's another, uh, another, mid- another stress fact, another thing driving the great resignation. No, you, you actually hit the word, Rob. It's stress. <clears throat> We've had three plus years and we can say high stress, low level stress, whatever you want to call it. It's been an environment of constant change. Humans don't work well in change environments it requires that we think, and while we can think, we don't like to do it all the time every day. And if we do, it's hopefully to get paid. So what you've got now is a situation where people have just kind of burnt out. Um, and then they also are more concerned about, as you are forced to initially, but then learn to adapt to working from home, you start to appreciate or realize other parts of your life that you don't normally pay attention to when you're spending most of your time commuting and sitting in your office or cubicle. So it's, it's, it's more of a, it's not, it's not as much of a resignation as it's, it's, it's a, um, a raising of consciousness, a level of awareness by employees. And I would imagine not only that, that people just kind of enjoy their work from home routine, they enjoy the flexibility, they uh, enjoy the ability to take care of tasks 
around the house or near the home or, or executing uh, routines involving their family, and you don't want to give that up, but the uh, high price of gas is probably uh, factoring into the equation now as well. Sure. We're social animals, though. And so, you know, in the previous work environments, you did have legacy knowledge. You had either official or unofficial mentors or mentees. You had a company culture. You had social systems. Um, And there was more of a connection between the leaders and the employee, even if you just walk past them in the highway and they nod to you. That's gone away. And so that gap, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. The vacuum has been filled with our natural need to have social interaction. And it's been refocused and repurposed to ourselves and our family and the people most closely to us. It's interesting. I was a story in the Wall Street Journal today about uh, just the job market in general. And they told the story of, a, of someone who lost their job last November. Uh, they were recruited heavily and then took a remote job several states away. Um, if you are working from home and you've never set foot in the corporate office in some other state, uh, what is that like mentally and as far as, far as uh, forging a workplace culture and just get relating to your fellow employees? Yeah, well, for somebody like, you know, if, if you're, a, if you're a, a boomer, it's hard because we don't, the, the older we get, the harder it is for us to change. We, we'd like to say we're adaptable and that we can, we, but there's a lot of uh, psychological data out there that proves that, you know, after 30, 35 years old, we just don't change very much. So it's very hard for those people. And those people tend to be in the leadership roles in organizations. So it's very hard for them to understand why someone else would want something that doesn't make sense for them. You know, if I'm the CEO or CFO, I want all my people around me so I can go run down the hallway and ask them questions. On the other end of it, though, if you if you can work from someplace else, there's been a lot of 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 smaller towns, uh, Topeka, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Savannah, where they've drawn a lot of people because they well, I can come here. My cost of living is lower. There's no traffic. A lot of things about this. If I can do this and, and, and have a nice life and spend less money. Why should I go? Uh, why should I go to a major metropolitan area with all the inherent problems? Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon, Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm Two Discern, based in Chicago. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode, and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus. Original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.